Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Grev, and welcome once again to another episode of the Rip Roar and Reds podcast. I am joined, as ever, by my co-host, Jace. How are we doing on this fine evening, Jace? Yeah, we're good, mate. It's the weekend, so I cannot complain. Had a good week, and uh, looking forward to a bit of rest. No Arsenal this weekend. Slightly disappointed about that, but, you know, it's not It's not long now. It's not long. Not the end of the world. Yeah. How about you? Yeah, I am good actually. Yeah, I had uh, a lovely. I had a round of golf at Swingers last night. A little uh, mini golf. Uh, obviously, oh, brushing nice. up before our next uh, event. I got a, a twenty, which on the nine holes is not terrible. I think that's pretty good. Yeah, it's not too bad actually. Yeah, and I had a, yeah. a few uh, too many frozen strawberry daiquiris, so might have harpened my ability to get a good score as well. So work work this morning was good then. Yeah. I was all right. I had a, I had a, a, not a lot of calls today, so I didn't have to show my face too much, which was good. I had a, enough to get my head down and get on with myself, so nothing to worry about. Fair enough. Yeah, all good. <laughs> right, well, uh, let us have a little look then. We're going to play the intro music in a second. We're going to get into a really hefty episode because we're going to be talking about the Barcelona game and what a game it was. Uh, back to winning ways for the Arsenal, which is obviously fantastic. So let's hit that intro music and then we'll get straight into it. Right, as I said, welcome to our fourth episode and we, as always, are going to get cracking with what we call our rip roaring review it's a look back on the week as arsenal as jace looking back what do you want to talk about what's your big bold statement what's really hit you this week in the the arsenal sphere uh today i saw on twitter arsenal statues here it's finally here i was very intrigued to see what was the statue going to be uh first i saw pictures of it all wrapped up you couldn't see anything of it and then a couple of hours later, I was back on Twitter and I saw that Arsenal had posted about it and it was up and it was there. And it was him with the, I'm assuming, the Invincible 2004 trophy aloft over his head, which was, I think, a good choice of uh, of pose and image to replicate. So yep. I think that was uh, well needed, well deserved, well earned by Arsene. I think he's solidly part of our history and um his legacy will live on forever so I, I think he was it was well overdue uh so it was really nice to see not a really big bold statement but uh, i'm very happy to see it one thing i will say was that a little disappointed how it was announced um i was hoping like, to go that way because i was going to say the exact same thing just it was you know thierry and re had a whole and dennis they all had uh you know, a formal unveiling and uh, with a bit of a press conference, if you will, and they gave a speech. We know that Arsene doesn't like fanfare. He's quite private and doesn't like that kind of thing. So, uh, you know, 
I'm assuming it was offered and he's declined because there'd be no reason to unveil it without having that usual kind of press conference. So you can only assume that he said, like, thank you for the statue, but no thank you. And I think almost the statue, he probably wouldn't even care about, like, but he's probably acknowledged that his, that the fans want it. So, you know, I think he's, he's kind of conceded uh, that there's a statue of him, but uh, he, he's, he's not going with the big hurrah, which, uh, you know, it's, it's about what he wants. He has earned the right to do it how he wants. But I think, you know, we all would like to celebrate him, even though he probably doesn't want to be celebrated. But yeah, that's my yeah. that's my review. How about you? Uh, I, I agree with you on that, firstly. Like, the, the, yeah. the lack of pomp and circumstance was surprising. And, you know, the fact that I'd seen a few people on Twitter as well. They've already got their photos with it. I think Stuart McFarlane had a, uh, a picture of his son next to it. And he's the Arsenal photographer. Like there's just normal people like around it already, just taking photos of it, and it was just just there, and it felt a bit odd. But I, I suspect against uh, Monaco next week, there's going to be queues and uh, multiple people waiting to get their picture with it. So I'll be very much looking forward to that. And you're right, he is such a big part of the club. I do think that like when he was offered, like you say, he probably wanted to turn it down because he's probably feels like he's put blood, sweat, and tears into that stadium. In reality, mm-hmm. he's he's part of the reason why we have it. And a big part of the reason why we have it. And as such, you know, he is just ingrained into that ground, even without the yeah. statue. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, and I think he's probably, you know, he's all, he was already probably walking, you know, past the bust of himself. There's a bust, isn't there, in the, mm. I think, is it like the Halls kind of thing? Or, yeah, like, kind of yeah, there's somewhere like so, you know, I guess he doesn't want too much fanfare, but. Yeah, deserves you know, it though, like a massive deserves it, and and it deserves it, and I'm and we should respect his wishes, but at the same time, the fans ain't going to give him a say. They're already gonna, they're gonna give him, yeah. they're gonna Agree. give him as much plaudits as they want. Yeah. So what about um, your what's your review? Yeah, I'm thinking because it's 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 a difficult one for me. I, I I was racking my brain, but I tell you what, I think what I've been feeling most this week is just excitement, a massive level of excitement. I, I look around us at the other clubs and, and last year for us, it was, it was really the depth that kind of killed us when we had key injuries to our squad and the depth that we didn't have didn't enable us to compete for the entirety of that season. We had a good three quarters of a season and we fell apart. I'm looking now at like Man City have lost some, some really key players for me. Gundogan, amazing for them. Mahrez, such an impact player. They, they replaced with like Kovacic, which I'm still not, sure of you know and uh, you know they, i just don't think they've, they've done much recruitment yet chelsea have done some good recruitment but they've got like a whole new squad basically they've got a big rebuilding to kind of doing a big embedding and gelling in man united haven't necessarily recruited uh, they need a striker and they haven't got one yet liverpool have lost some key experience in their ranks with with henderson i just i, I genuinely believe we're, we're going to be there or thereabouts and I am so excited uh, to see where where we get to this, the level that we can get to, the competition that we can have. Uh, yeah, I'm just dead excited. And after seeing this game defensively, we'll talk about it later. Let us down a little bit, but we are we score for fun. You know, look at the America tour. Thought we have uh, five nil, lost two nil, then uh, five again. So we scored ten goals in those three games. If you count, what was the score in Nuremberg? I can't remember off the top of my head. One nil, one nil. Yeah, so I mean, we, we scored a lot of goals and we do score a lot of goals and they're, they're always spread across the team as well. And that was that was still shown in these games. So 
just excited. Just very excited. Yeah, that's good. Um, I am too, but I'm... I'm excited, but I'm, as I think I've already said in previous podcasts, playing the cautious side of it because I think this season is going to be more difficult with the Champions League. And I I think I've said numerous times, I think we go further in the Champions League than we do the league. I don't know why. I've just got a feeling that we could win the Champions League. If City gets knocked out, I feel like we might be the best team in Europe. Big, bold statement there. Maybe. That is Real, taking it another way now. <laughs> yeah, oh, it is. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. generally, uh, I think you some good points. Uh, City is especially the one for me. I said a few times, like last year, Gundogan particularly was a standout player for City. Mares was always, if not starting, a very good impact sub. They've lost some of their depth. Yeah, Kovacic. I don't know. I haven't watched him recently enough to know. Is he as good as a lot of people say he is? And also, if he was that good, why are Chelsea letting him go? Question mark. Um, he's, not, he's not a replacement for Rodri either, right? Rodri's obviously going to be no. playing in that in that position, and I just think that's quite a big downgrade. I remember, I remember, I, quite, I remember quite a few games where Granit Xhaka had him in his pocket. To be perfectly honest, or at least wound him up quite a bit. I mean, I wasn't didn't he get sent? Xhaka got him sent off in the FA Cup final, didn't he? If I remember rightly. Yeah. I think he can get in his head quite easily. Yeah. So, yeah, um, Liverpool's depth in midfield, that's gone. Uh, Thiago, I'm not sure. Has he gone already or is he staying? Oh, I'm not sure about Thiago. Fabinho's gone. I think gone. it's still... Hend- Fabinho, one Henderson's of them is definitely still waiting to go, but Henderson's definitely gone. Fabinho's gone. Henderson's gone, I think. Um, Thiago was the one that I thought was going, if I'm honest. Um, they've got McAllister in, but again, that's like us getting Rice in, maybe. Uh so yeah, um, I, I see I see your uh, optimism. I see your analysis. I don't disagree. I think we are in it to win it this season. Um, and yeah, the the main and we're scoring goals for fun unless someone puts a low block. In <laughs> I mean, so, uh, yeah. we're we're both kind of on a similar page. And let's not spoil it all. We're going to do a prediction show in the in the uh, before the the Premier League season kicks off and talk a little bit about where. Both me and Jace kind of think we're going to end up in the league and that's going to be a pretty exciting show. So don't spoil it all now, I guess. But um, you could probably tell from both of our optimisms that we're going to be somewhere <laughs> near the top of that table. Um, right, so we're going to get into the topics. Big game against Barcelona, like I said, 5-3 victory for the Arsenal in the end. Um, an absolutely uh, electric game from start to finish. We're going to start with probably the talking point that everyone's talking about. Uh, about. That's a quote. I'm going to read this quote, Jace, verbatim, first of all. Um, from Xavi. Uh, so uh, not normal was in the quote there, but he said, everyone wants to compete, but it is a friendly. They were playing with another level of intensity. We took it seriously, but the main reason for losing was the difference in rhythm and the match sharpness. And he called us not normal, um, which I thought was just a, a, an absolutely amazing quote, um, particularly after the Man United game where we probably had some uh, talking points about the way Man United played that game, but I'm interested from you, Jace. You know, did you feel that it was a different level for us? Did you feel there was anything in that game that would give you the the vibe that it we, we were much more intense than them? You know, what was your view on the game overall? We match them, match them toe for toe, tackle for tackle. It's the way I see it from the intensity. I assume when we're talking about intensity, we're talking about the types of challenges intensity or. Uh, not the 
intensity to as which we were uh, playing the game with the ball at our feet. Um, I'm assuming it's the intensity and the, ta- the tackles and the challenges and the aggressiveness which we were showing. And I mean, there's a couple of challenges. The one on Gabby, on Jesus, um, and the one on Trossard. I'm like, you, we might have, you know, given you a bit of a rough ride, but you, you, you gave it to us first. So we all have already, we've already had this with Man United, right? Where they just gave it to us. We were expect, this is, this is like Barcelona turning up as Arsenal to the last game we played, if that makes sense. Like we turn up at the United game thinking it's a bit of a friendly match fitness, minutes in the legs. Um, And so, and that's how Barcelona turned up. We, the thing is we'd learned our lesson from the week before and we got absolutely battered. When I say battered, not on the field of play from a technical perspective, but from a physical perspective by Man United and a scorer. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. Look, we, I, I, would think, I was thinking a lot about that game. I don't want to go back over it too much. What I will say with time and reflection, they didn't have that many chances either. The two goals they scored were mistakes, genuine mistakes. Um, and the more I look back at it, I'm like, they weren't amazing either. And that scoreline doesn't reflect, I don't think, what we're going to see this season. And, you know, there was a lot yeah. of lot of stuff on Twitter after, which, you know, there always is. But, you know, watching them get beat 2 by 2 nil by Real Madrid was telling, in a way. like the, just, just desserts, maybe? Uh, I mean, as something I'll share for the car park, I thought I saw in that game, I'll call out. But I didn't watch the game in full when you saw some of the clips and the highlights. But um, what I'll say is that you can't judge anything on preseason. That's also um yeah so i i think the you know that point from javi maybe he he didn't want that level of intensity he you know the, the team their team had been unwell they'd missed their play i think their last game got caught off um they'd all had stomach viruses i think or, or bugs um so clearly they weren't prepared for that kind of game we were we needed Maybe it was the point in time in our preseason where we did need to up the intensity. We played one, we played three games, so we're two, one or two games away from playing City. So yeah, it was time for us to up in that intensity, whether they needed it or not. Um, but they still put poor challenges in Barcelona, um, so I don't have much sympathy for them. Um, and if and we'll go into talking about the actual performance of Arsenal in a minute. Um, I'll just start by saying I think from what I saw we played them off the park I don't think the scoreline reflects how much we absolutely battered them um, from bits that I saw uh, and I didn't watch the full match because I had work but I saw quite a lot of the long extended highlights and they were certainly certainly favouring us more than them uh, yeah what did you think what was your perspective on those those comments yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I think we gave as good as we got. I don't think there was any issue with that. I, I think the start was very bitty. There was lots of fouls. The ref didn't. So, so I, I, I've watched the game back. So not not live, but I'd watched it after the event. Um, and yeah, we we were 
it was quite a bitty, choppy kind of game. The ref was disinterested in kind of doing anything early on in the game to, to stop any of that kind of behaviour either. There was a tackle on Jesus quite near the start where um, he was through uh, on that. goal and he got taken down. Yeah, got chopped. And um, no card. Uh, and it was basically like a through on goal. You know, if that's a Premier League game, they're, they're pretty much getting a red card. So it was, it was a bit high. hard. Yeah, it was high. It was high I mean, there's a high there, challenge. Oh, like I said, we had a lot of challenges kind of in those lines too. So I don't want to get too much into she's he says she said kind of thing. But you know, there were two moments in this game where players literally crowded around each other and was almost at each other's throats. It wasn't proper uh, old school like we've seen with Jacker, for example, where you're getting in people's faces and and putting your heads against each other. But it got heated. There was a time when I think uh, Jesus or uh, was down on the ground. They didn't want to kick out the ball when we had a player down. There was a bit where Saliba absolutely rinsed i can't remember who it was at the back but basically like just took just shouldered them they went to the ground he then cruyff turned somebody else straight afterwards and then put an absolute peach of a ball through to Havertz, and he was just like just dancing on the on the dance floor like um not like jay ling's don't want to bring that memory back but um there it is uh but you know it, it was just a it was just interesting in the, how feisty i think that game was when you think it really is a friendly um, and it just didn't feel like it. I think just Xavi just got not got a leg to stand on because they just they were in it, it was 50-50. Um, whereas the Man United game, like I said, and, I, and you said it, like, I agree with you. I don't think we were quite ready for that. And they just went full hardness into it. And it wasn't necessarily the intensity of their press or anything like that. It was the intensity of the, their players and their aggressiveness to, towards it. And I'd like you say, I think this is Barcelona's first preseason game. And I think... That was a. Uh, it was pretty obvious that it was because they certainly weren't at the levels that we are, um, and I just hope that carries on into the season. Basically, yep, I agree. Uh, with, yeah, I mean, I'm sure Barcelona will up their technical level. They'll be expected to type of team they are, but we need to keep going forward as well. If we can come across them in the Champions League, I want a similar result, and I want to see a similar level of domination because. Let's be honest, we're overdue the thrashing of Barcelona and the amount of hidings we've taken <laughs> from them throughout the years. So. Yeah, I mean, the fact that the commentary team continued to bring out 2006 was just, uh, I just don't want to hear it. I don't need it. Don't need that memory to be brought back up. And it's just, it was constant throughout the commentary. Yeah, I still have trauma. Exactly. So we don't want to talk about that. Um, we, we talked on the last pod quite a lot about our, our midfield combinations and what was the best. And I think the, the next thing, I'm proud of this one, Jay, so I'm going to get it up on the screen uh, now uh, to a, a massive <laughs> callback to, to Miley Cyrus. Um, but but Party uh, was back to his best well, in this ha- game. Hang, hang on one sec. Just, just for context for anyone listening and not watching the YouTube video, Greb's caption here is Party in the USA. Uh, I thank He's you. Very I'm also bowing uh, for those who can't see me bowing. Um, I'm very <laughs> proud of this one. Um, so, yeah, you talked a lot about, you know, wanting that party and rice double pivot, basically, and, and how that can potentially work with Erdegaard going kind of forward. So I, I, you know, party was electric. And I want I want your your vibe on what you saw, Jason, what you think. And do you do you still believe that that party rice combination is the one that's going to work? Or do you think it's something else? Well, firstly, I just feel very vindicate, vindicated by my uh, comments in the last podcast um, because he is, when he's on his game, he's irreplaceable in that position. And I think by bringing Rice in, as I said, we add to the quality. Um, so 
my just let's just first talk about his game. Amazing. Exactly what we want from Thomas Party. The way he is able to connect from the defense to the attack or to the attacking midfield to be that transition that 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 person that can transition the ball through that flow, the passes he was picking out, his connections that you were having, particularly I saw quite a few uh, links to the left-hand side of the pitch as well, which were really good, right? Because you building those links with either Trossard or Habits. Um, so yeah, really happy with his performance, and um, yeah, I just feel very, very as I said, vindicated, but also just really happy to see him playing at that level, uh, playing in 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 with those kind of performances because he wasn't good in the last six. Him and Saliba, two of the reasons we didn't win the league last year. In my opinion, Saliba being injured, him, he just suddenly went missing. He had this amazing season. It was like he he he'd used all his his coins up, his his juice. And in <laughs> and in the last he just had nothing nothing to give in the last six six or so weeks. And and if you if you think he hadn't, if he'd been like that, I think again we'd have been not uh dropping the points that we would have done. Um so just feeling really happy to see him playing at that again. In regards to my perspective on the midfield uh, combinations, uh, for me, the dead on starters for the season are Thomas Partey and Martin Odegaard. Hands down, right now. That's where my head's at. That's who you start with. The question is whether now you play Rice or whether you play Havertz in the, in the eight. Um, and I've think the only way I can answer that is by actually seeing Rice play in the eight. Because I think my preference, if you ask me right, well, I'm not going to answer it right now. If you'd asked me before all of this, I would have probably gone, and I think I said it in our previous pod, Rice. Rice is a no-brainer. He's the £105 million signing. Um, We bought him in for a reason. I felt he was good going forward last year. He scored some great goals for West Ham. Um, I think he'll have a good relationship uh, with someone like Martinelli, I think he could instantly connect quite well. Um, but Abbots is looking decent. Um, he's got two goals game. on this tour. I know he had a lot of uh, stick, yeah, but he has scored, scored two goals. He's, he scored two goals. Um, I, I like the way that he is moving around um, when the ball is on the opposite side of the pitch. Um, you notice Saka's getting a lot more balls over the box, and you know he he he's there. Uh, and a perfect example was he and that cross went across. I think it was Odegaard that took the shot, but Havertz was there at the back post, ready for anything. He got the lock and he got the tap in. Um, so he's getting into position. I still think we're not going to quite the only, the only thing that I maybe haven't seen, and again, like that the link you sent me for the full highlights, I couldn't get to work. So I haven't seen the full game. I've just seen what I've seen extended. But when you watch the extended highlights, you don't see as much of the the boring bits of play. But the boring bits of play for me show the passing. They show the, the show the form, like the, the transitions of where the ball's going. Um, and one of the things I liked a lot last year was that interplay between Zinchenko and Jacka and Martinelli. A lot of the small, short passes and triangles. And I don't know if I've. I don't know if I've seen, I'd, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts, but is he doing that with, with, I guess, uh, Timber uh, would have been 
uh, and and with maybe who was yeah I guess it's him Timber Trossard. and Trossard um, yeah uh, so that that's where I'm at at the moment I think my default would be Rice but I think we now have to see Rice in that position first what what was your perspective on that performance from from the midfield for me so yeah I mean party bought the game totally he was back to his rip roaring best. Uh, uh, excuse the pun. Um, he he looked just angry. He looked meaner. He just generally looked more up for it. I think when you talked about the the six week drop off towards the the latter part of last season, usually for us we get kind of like twenty five games out of Thomas Party. He he never quite stays fit for the entirety, and he drops in and out, and he might miss a couple of games here and there. And actually, last season was the first season where he didn't. And maybe that's partly what it is. It was just lethargy. It was he was just tired, and it just all of it, you know, came crashing in around him towards that latter end of the season. Mm-hmm. Body's only got so um, much. Exactly, and I think he just looks now. And I, I might have said this on the previous podcast, but competition breeds quality. I think he is scared of losing his place in this team to Declan Rice, and some people will shy away from that competition and go, "Okay, I won't be here." But he just looks mean he, he wants it he was bossing people around the midfield of that bitch picking out balls that absolutely delightful some of the balls he was pushing through like you see that midfield transition was actually fantastic and i i'm not sure i think if you're playing against like a city i think a rice and party duo works really really well i think that can protect us um at the back and it can also unlock some of the things going forward and it doesn't necessarily have to be as free-flowing or as dynamic as maybe a, a Xhaka party combination used to be with Xhaka driving more forward. When it's against smaller teams, I, I would say that maybe it's just not as forward-thinking enough. Like I say, Havertz, he will certainly drive. It, it really depends. Like I say, I've not seen enough of Rice in that mould. And like you say, maybe we just need to see it, but we're not going to really have the opportunity to, to you know, test the waters on that one. I don't think it's it's kind of sink or swim for us at the moment, right? We've got Monaco and then we're straight into a community shield game against Man City. So this is not the time to be going, let's try and experiment with all the different combinations of that midfield trio and see which one's the best performance. We really need to kick the ground running with the easy games that we've got. And so that's likely going to mean a rice party pivot, I would say. Starting, not sure. It's starting lineup time. It's now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, it is, isn't it? We've done, like, we've like... done, we've done the tour. We've done the pre. We've done four games, experimented, especially with the defense, which we'll come on to. It's time to time to play our starting eleven. We played our starting eleven quite early in preseason last year. I think from possibly the Chelsea game, that became where we won four 0 That was then the starting eleven, pretty consistently for quite a long time, um, and it's that time. It's that time now. I, I, I will say to your point, though, yes, it is. And yes, we will likely get a consistent and start to play that a bit more. But the, the thing that we also didn't do last year very well is rotate. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Ever. We were like bottom or very near the bottom of the table of rotation. Um, Man City were very close to the top. Um, and that's something we, uh, as Arteta, is going to have to kind of learn uh, in his system that you're going to have to in order to stay fresh, in order to keep the competition alive in your players and to keep um legs fresh to keep uh us being unpredictable there's so many benefits to it and it's just it's a difficult management of the game right because you don't want to frustrate some of the players by not getting the minutes that they want to find balance i'm glad it's not my problem put it that way 
Yeah. So that's just before we move on to the next next topic. Um, there were some other good midfield performances. I thought uh, Smith Rowe looked good. Um, he was sharp. He looks fit. Uh, you know that under twenty one tournament has done him the world of goods. He's sharp. Uh, he's quick. He's looks um, slimmer and leaner. Um, and he, he seems to be really enjoying it. So I'm I'm looking forward to him. We'd had some doubts about Fabio Vieira. Then he scores a banger. He only does bangers. There's always goals are decent, decent goals. Um, so again, having a couple of creative players like that who can come off the bench if they're going to be actually generally able to offer something, that's awesome. Um, I got my preference. I want to see a lot more Smith Rowe this year. I think uh, as Arsenal fans, we do though, right? We, we kind of just yeah, have of an affinity with him. He's a Haylender. He's got a song with Saka. I love his blonde hair. Uh, I think it's electric, just all over well, the Trossard, just... ASR <laughs> combination. So for people that are, are listening or watching this, uh, Grev has had that hairstyle on and off for a few years. They haven't had it recently. No, can't afford so... it anymore. But it's a, it is an elite <laughs> hairstyle. So, uh, you know, I, I'm all for it and I can't wait to see more of it. So, you know, yeah, love it. But uh, yeah, Smith Rowe, Seeing that little bit of sharpness, that quick feet, that touch of the ball, that genuinely, you see my face, I can see my own face light up here in the in the, in the the camera re- reflection. It, it reminds me of when he did come through into the team for the first year and a half, two years. And he was, remember, it was, it was always a Saka playback. He would be on the edge of the box tapping in. Like, he's just, there's something, there's a spark there. He was getting goals. He's, he's got a good little bit of quick feet. Um He's really good in tight again. spaces, isn't he? It's like yeah. it's really good. He's he's amazingly talented and he's just had an injury patch. And I just hope if I hope we could see the best of him again. Because he either goes two ways, in my opinion. He does it, he goes that way, or he goes the way of Jack. And Jack should have been one of the best midfielders England's ever seen, and it wasn't to be. So um, you know, I, I really I, I keep my fingers crossed for the guy. Yeah, I mean he kind of played as a left sided eight as well, right? And there was talk before in the media of Arteta trying him out at that position because it's not, he's usually like a 10. So he's kind of be probably coming for an Erdegaard's kind of position more so than any other. So maybe he is trying something out. And I think if we get some, some easy group games in the champions league or some lower league teams in the kind of league cup or the FA cup, there's going to be the opportunity for to, to kind of test that out a bit more in a, in a good setting. Yeah. I think you should, I'd start him in the champions league. Absolutely. Um, I mean, it depends who we get in the group. Obviously, we could get a group of death scenario. I don't, is there a possible group of death scenario? That's another subject. That's another podcast that we need to look well, at. Yeah, we'll have to have a look. But I, I think, you know, if we look at a pot three or a pot four team, we're probably going to be quite comfortable, I would say. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. I'm actually genuinely feeling really confident going into the Champions League this year. I don't know you've why. Not met, you've not mentioned big... it, Jace. You've not, like... it's, let me just explain one thing. My reason why is just because I look at how we ran toe to with City, and I think City were the best. Well, they were. They won it. They were the best team in Europe last year, and I feel like us and Real Madrid were the only two teams close to them last year. So I mean, you, you know, I, I, I genuinely I, think I get your, we, I get your I, point. I, we we go. I feel like I've got that level of confidence that we can. More the level, more a level of confidence in the Champions League than I do believe. I don't, as I say, I don't know why, but I feel like we can go in and we can get very far because 
we are a Champions League team who weren't in the Champions League last year. We didn't know we were going to be a Champions League team, but we just started the season playing like one and we were pretty consistent for most of it. So, um, yeah, that's the confidence. Anyway. I think we've we've flip-flopped, Jase. I was going to tell you to say, yes, we went toe-to-toe with them across a a game of uh, a season. When we played them, we didn't. We we were nowhere close to their level. There was one half of football where we were kind of close, but still not enough. Yeah, I'm excited. Like I said, I don't want to. I don't want to ruin the pie for myself. Excuse another pun, but I'm just a bit, you know. Oh, I, anyway, save I, save it all, Jace. Yeah. We're gonna have to yeah, save it all. This is gonna be like another, a another prediction pie. show all over. <laughs> right, mm-hmm. we're gonna move on. Jace actually did a really good segue, and uh, I didn't. I didn't capitulate. Uh, uh, you know, I didn't capture it in that moment, so it's unfortunate. But there was Trossard got man. Of, did he get man of the match? I think he got man of the match. Um, obviously scored two goals. Uh, and was pretty unreal throughout the the entirety of that game. We're both big Gabriel Martinelli fans, but I I think you've got no other. There's no other option at the moment for me in that left wing position being Trossard. I want to know what do you think, Jace, and how did you think he buffed that game? What areas? What things did he do that really stood out to you that kind of made you think, yeah, he's going to be our starter. So, three things. One was a goal. Another one was a goal. The third was just the way he was, his, his, some of his touches uh, that I just saw in other transitions of play. So, let's just talk about his first goal. Um, his step over, his, like, he, he had three like play, I'm moving my arms. So I've got to remember this is going, <laughs> going on iTunes and, <laughs> and Spotify. He had three players around him in close proximity, and he was he was using. I think there's a benefit to him. It reminds me. He, let me be clear. I am not comparing him directly to Lionel Messi here, but I am comparing his size to Lionel Messi in the way that he has that low center of gravity and his ball can the ball can stick to his feet. He's very good like that. And you can see in some of the ways he uses his feet that he's very technical in in that manner. A little bit like Santi Cazorla was as well. Um, And that had a benefit in the position he was in there because he managed to keep the ball at his feet. He kept it closed. He kept control. He drawed the player. He had three players around him. And then he manages to find the composure to find that gap. It was a really tiny gap. And he put it in the bottom corner of a great shot, uh, composed shot off his left foot. So that was... That was moment one. Um, moment two, as I said, the the goal, the uh, second goal. That Tierney cross wasn't great, but it was the way that he managed to move his body because that ball was kind of behind him, like going behind him when it came in. And he had to move his body and then as a result, just adjust his feet. His, his feet were like right underneath him. You know when it's really awkward and it gets right underneath you and you've kind of got to try and, and get your feet round? He did that in like in an instant and, and and again placed it beautifully in the bottom corner. That was like technically a very difficult um skill, I I feel, and a very composed finish. Um and then finally just some of the touches. There was one uh one piece of play, it was actually on the right hand side, uh, I saw where he he just brought the ball down. It was just a little like the ball came down, he he brought it and flicked it with the back of like the side of his foot. Is just to to keep the ball moving in transition, 
uh, and, and I was just like, he is on it. There's just it's just some of the it's the technicalness that he's he brings to that position, um, where I'm like, it's a good compliment to Saka on the other side as well. Um, and I think I could see him possibly playing down the middle if Jesus doesn't play down the middle or in the eight, because I think we do want to play Martinelli. So I can see him getting a lot of games, but in a mixture of positions. But right now, if you're asking me Martinelli or um, Martinelli or Trossard, yeah, based on preseason, Trossard all the way. Like he's had an amazing preseason. So yeah, my three reasons. Hope I've not taken all your <laughs> No, you've not taken it. Actually, Jason, compliments mine amazingly. Um, yeah, I think all of, I agree with everything you just said. I think both goals were fantastic. Touch is fantastic. I think actually when you talked about rotating positions, you kind of start to consider how we could be like the Liverpool front three of, of yesteryear where your your Jesus, Saka and maybe Trossard can rotate into different positions around that nine and it can still relatively work quite well. Um, so that could be something. Never thought about that. That's actually quite unique and interesting. Um, for me, the big the biggest thing that stood out to me was his combination with Timber. Timber's not he's not playing in his natural position. And one of the mm. things that Timber didn't do that he does do in his natural position is invert. So you, usually we're used to Zinchenko inverting in that left hand side position and and overloading in our midfield. And thus our left winger doesn't necessarily have to do as as much work maybe as you would expect in that position but but trossard did an immense amount of work to help timber a lot of ball recovery a lot of tracking back a lot of doubling up a lot of support um and i thought that i was just something i never really expected from trossard you kind of just think him as a very direct creative goal scoring kind of player and he did he did both sides of that game he did them both exceptionally well so i'm dead excited about that and like you said, his, his close control, his, his hold-up, his vision, all really, really good. And um, there's a bit in the centre of the pitch, he got a lot of oohs and ahs from the crowd when he just did like a little turn in the centre of the pitch and got to love that in pre-season. Um, like you, I, I, you know, Arteta loves Martinelli, uh, as do we. Um, he is a, they're also quite different players, which I think is actually quite like good particularly when you do need to change the game if you do need to score a goal and you do then need to swap something out. Like Martinez is much more direct, much more kind of down that line, hitting that line, taking on players directly, whereas uh, Trotter is much more skilled and kind of dynamic and will, will bring other players into the game. Martinez is much more one-on-one. Um, so yeah, one, I'm, I'm... He's what? So saying, sorry, Martinez is one-on-one in the cutback, whereas Trossard is yeah. different different sorry I interrupted you go on yeah no, no i mean it's good mate because it's like the, I, uh, yeah it's exactly where i'm going i do think that if we do need something different off the bench in certain games then we've got that option for me like you said i agree with you trossard is is tipping him at the moment for that starting position might be a bit of uh recency bias obviously in there as part of he's had a very good preseason, but maybe arteta just goes for martinelli just out of consistency for our starting 11 because he was usually the one that would be on the team sheet if if we were just picking what we think is our best players I, i'm just yeah. going to point point one question towards you before we kind of move on from trossard do you think that he is our best january signing ever i can't go back that far but in recent years is he the best one we've signed in recent years yes right without doubt 
Um, I Jose Antonio Reyes in the 2004 season, in the Invincible season, that really helped us get over the line. Um, and he was a very, and he gave Gary Neville quite a few problems. <laughs> I remember that. Um, so that was a pretty decent signing. But I mean, Trossard's now, oh, we've only had him six months. I mean, you look at that jan- that that actual January window that we signed: Jorginho, Kiwior, and Trossard. Oh yeah, like it was, that, I, I think a very it, good I, window it, generally. One of the possibly the best January windows in living memory. I remember we got Ad. I'm pretty sure we got Adebayor and um, Diaby once in the window, and that looked pretty good. But they never turned out to be the players that they should have been. So, particularly um, Diaby. Yeah, I mean that's a, again another sore issue for me. I've done a few um, of those today. So stabbing the knife in, isn't I? Awful of me. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think every <laughs> Arsenal fan feels sore about Jack Wiltshire and Diaby. They could have been the midfield for years. Um, yeah. Okay. I, my answer to your question is yeah. I think it probably is okay. from what I can what I can think about. Um, right, so Trostad over Martin Early is probably the choice then. We're going to move on to probably some some not-so-good stuff. Um, a little callback to an Oasis album. Uh, the title of this topic is Defensively, Maybe. Um, lots of different things to talk about in the defence, because obviously we did concede three goals. Um, talk to me, Jace. Where do you think it all went wrong for us at the back? What would you say is the, the thing that you would call out most? I, I'm going to start... On the last of our list of topics, defensively, maybe. When we're talking about defence, we're just talking about the back line in general and the keeper. I'm a little bit nervous about Aaron. Um, He is not a bad keeper. He is a very, very good keeper. There's a but, But right? He's... Making a few mistakes in the moment, a little bit like Gabriel. I wouldn't say Ramsdale has a mistake in him every game. Like I said the other day, maybe Gabriel, you know, we always get a bit worried. I, I wasn't, I'm never that, usually that worried about about, about Aaron. Um, but he definitely, you know, we've made the point there, lacking confidence. It does look a little bit like it in the moment. He looks... Like he's angry with some of the decisions that he's made. Um, you know, I, I questioned in my analysis, could he have done better where he palmed? He said they palmed the first goal right into the middle of the field. Right. I don't know. You know, it's very difficult. You, and and I'm, I cannot say I would have done any better. Um, but regardless of the outcome I, I think it may you know, I'm worried about his confidence a little that's where I'm at with the defensive uh defensive woes at the moment um I don't think you know Gabrielle I've had a few concerns about in the uh last few podcasts about defensive errors um he wasn't necessarily someone on the list today uh, I came to my mind but but, but Aaron was a little bit a little bit lacking confidence, you know. He 
Um, I want to I want to see a few games where he's a little bit more confident with some of his passing, um, some of his you know stronger arms behind his saves as well is really important for me. Having a strong arm, like he's, it's a very hard thing to judge. Not having any experience in goalkeeping whatsoever, but you know some of there's been a couple of a couple of shots this season in preseason where I'm like he, he could have. You don't want to Jordan Pickford it, right? You need you need to take a bit more than that. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. But uh, but then I, I I think he's a great goalkeeper. I still I, I you know I'm biased. Should be England's number one. Um, but so I'm I'm fully behind him. I just I don't like to see his confidence down, and uh, he just needs to get it back a little bit at the moment. Yeah, I mean I'm I'm with you on his confidence side of things because I think he doesn't. The one thing I would say, and I, I think I'd heard it on a on another pod that I've been listening to, kind of say like he wears his confidence all over his face. Um, it's a heart on his sleeve, he, guy. Yeah, he is, and he's quite emotional as well, right? I think that came across it when the deflection came in. I think it was either Trossard or uh, I can't remember who exactly yeah. it was. It deflected yeah. for the goal, and he'd wrong footed, and he was screaming and shouting. I don't know who he was screaming and shouting at because I think there was commentary was saying that someone in the wall wasn't in the right position. But I do think that for him, he 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 wrong-footed himself. I don't know whether or not they they had blown the whistle and he just kind of stepped out to redirect traffic and then they played. Mm. But he was he was wrong-footed, and he he you know he's got no one else to blame other than himself in that in that fact. And I think that his emotional, like I say, he's coming out screaming, he's shouting, he's wearing it all over his face. He's, he it breeds other uncertainty in the rest of the defensive, and that's the thing that frustrates me the most is that he it can osmosis around the team. A little bit more composure, I think. Um, and that that is one thing I can say completely about the defensive line across the board, with the exception of of, of Big Willie, um, who's the most composed defender I think you'll ever see for someone who's, what, 22? 22 now? No. Was 21, maybe 22? Um, yeah, like the composure part. And I think, yeah, when you... When you when we make a mistake, you're gonna make mistakes. But head up, strong, don't panic, relax, move on from it. Um, and you need that. I think um, it'll be different in. I, I say I think it will be different in the season because I think they'll be playing a lot of games at the Emirates, and I generally think the crowd now makes a difference in that composure. Make a mistake, head up. We'll go back out straight away. We know no heads go down in that ground anymore because we're all behind them. Mm-hmm. So um, I'd like to think these are just pre-season issues. We'll see. So what about you? Defence, where's your where's your worries? Where's your concerns? I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say it's concerns. The, the one thing I would say, it was interesting, right, because we, we played Timber at left back, like not naturally mm-hmm. his position. I think yeah. I can't remember if Tierney was on the yeah he was on the bench because he came on. Um, like I think I said this on the last pod, it seems odd for other people playing like when other people are playing in your position and you're on the bench, you kind of just go and care like, what about me? <laughs> um, not uh, you know Balotelli. Um, ben White was right back. We have got a, like an embarrassment of riches at defensive positions. We've got a lot of players that can go into a lot of different roles, and I still don't think we know what the four that will play is. 
yet officially because I still think if Shinchenko was fit, he'd be playing in that left back position. I think he's first choice. Um, ben White looks like he's first choice, but Timber has been putting in some solid performances. The commentary team on this game that I watched had made a, a big point about Timber being first choice, which I thought was wrong in my eyes. I just don't see how they. I, I can see why. So White was caught out quite a few times during that game and was put on toast. I think it was by Abde um, twice. And there was a point in the game where he basically just said to, uh, I think it must be Saka on that side, I need your help. I need you to kind of step in here and double up for me because he, he just keeps doing me every single time he comes near me and was very unsure about his own ability in that position. And so it, it just, this is the time for it to happen. For me, is like this is like you said, it's preseason. This is exactly the moment where you're happy, not happy, but comfortable in allowing players to get past you, to to learn from your mistakes, to accept some mistakes at the back and let in a goal. It's not going to hurt you at this point in time, like it will do when we get to the Emirates. Um, and so, as long as they're learning and growing and adapting through the system, learning about the players and their positions, it's going to be fine. Um, Tierney looked really good when he came on. Um, looked hungry. Looked he. There's one thing I always do. Like I say, Zinchenko doesn't do a great deal of because of the way he plays that position. It's overlap on that left hand side. The same mm -hmm. with uh, Ben White doesn't either naturally. Sometimes he will. He does it a lot more than the left for sure. But as soon as Tierney was in that position, you saw his runs. He kept on doing it, and it resulted in one of the goals for Trossard. He even he didn't overlap in that one. He actually cut inside. But his his movement and position allowed that to happen, um, which Inchenko doesn't naturally do a lot a lot of that. He's more of that Xhaka role where he's you know driving in late runs. Yeah, I I think Tierney had a good game. I don't think Tierney's going anywhere. I think he's... I actually I, I was going to agree with you. Like the party kind of situation, is it? It's kind of like you know what, we kind of need you. Yeah, so you might keep you, but anyone, I think that, anyone goes, uh, it's my, Tommy. It's anyone well, goes, it's yeah, Tommy. maybe. This is the thing. We've got a big squad now. We've got a similar problem to Chelsea. Had we're gonna there's there, there's definitely some wood we got to cut. Um, who it's going to be? There's obvious ones like Cedric and and Holding, but we're going to lose some quality somewhere. I felt bad for Rob. Uh, he, yeah, he came on, made that mistake, they scored. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it always reminds me of a bit that, of Callum Chambers. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course he's hurt, been hurt, such a good servant to the club, and you could tell that he's just, yeah, uh, it's, it, but he is not at the level. You know, we both know that, yeah, the team knows yeah, it, the know. fans know it. It is, it is what it is, right? Yeah. I just uh, hope that he gets the best outcome he can for him. Yeah, I agree. Well, that is all of our kind of main talking points from the game. We got quite a hefty parking lot today, Jase. Put me and you both put quite a few bits. I just actually added one as we were talking because it just reminded me of it. But um, I'll let you, you let you do the first one because it's quite a, an important topic and it will lead me on to my next point as well. So, what what you got in your parking lot? Yeah, um, first one is disappointing for us. Well. I think you're actually, maybe not for you. Not for me. I'll, you, I'll talk about why me. in a second. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and you should talk about that because that's a that's a really good thing to talk about. Yeah. Uh, but first of all, we went in for the ballot for Silvers um, for Man United. And this is the first time we've been in for every game that we can go in for so far. 
I think we got two and this was the third we went for and we didn't get it on our silvers. We have got reds, so we've gone in for our reds and we'll see if we get it on our reds. Uh, but there was we went in for two tickets and we didn't get them, which means not going to be in the ground for that game at present. And so I can get a ticket on the exchange or I can be the fun-loving uncle <laughs> to uh, two nephews who I, I dearly adore. <laughs> but, Jason um, referencing, so for, for me, there's a... On. There's um so there's a sensor room at Arsenal. I'm sure many Arsenal fans might be aware of this. There was a, a viral video on Arsenal's kind of Twitter sphere probably about two years ago that kind of when um there was uh, a young autistic lad with his father, they were coming out of the game at like 50 minutes, and the steward kind of said, Where are you going? The game's still on. And they were like, Oh, my son couldn't handle it, you know, because of his um autism. And they said, Come with me, and they they showed him to this room and he, he you know the story was that the, the his boy really enjoyed the game was able to enjoy it in a really comfortable setting and since then uh, arsenal have had a sensory room which allows other neurodiverse children um to go and experience the, the match going experience without having to worry about the crowd and the swearing and the people and the noise and all of the other stuff and I, i've been able so so my eldest does have autism and I, i've been able to go uh once into this room it's a it's an a different experience to the the usual games that myself and Jace probably go to because uh, you're in an old Sky television studio effectively, and so it's soundproof. So your uh, the game I watched the first time was Arsenal Wolves, where I think we won in the 89th minute or something along those lines. I think we won three two, mm. um, and uh, the crowd was obviously going mental. Couldn't hear none of it um, because it, it's such a, an odd experience. But for, obviously for my son significantly more palatable for him to not feel overwhelmed by that so um luckily for me so i was on the waiting list last year to go and and go back to the sensory room and take my two boys uh didn't get in last year because it's been exceptionally busy um but managed to get offered to go to the man united game so jace jace is hopefully gonna be either um my living lover or uh my brother-in-law <laughs> of some kind one of those two things uh to see if he can come and um, and join me um both my boys love spending time with jace anyway when we go to games we love just going and you know talking go and grab some food and soaking up the atmosphere so i'm sure they'll they'll love to have you there anyway if we can thanks mate let's see hopefully, hopefully we'll uh we'll get there somehow uh and if anyone's following and has a ticket and we don't have it, I'll be uh, tell me. <laughs> you know where Jace is. Um, yeah. Your your uh, ballot, your the ballot failure was just gone. Did you have another point? Sorry, I don't want to. No, no, interrupt. no, no. Go on. I'm done. I wanted to. I'm sure you might have seen it too. So there was a statement issued by the Ashburton Army um, recently about how the club has treated them as a group, um, being kind of ostracised from the club for a few years. I can't remember the name of the the new person in charge from the Arsenal side that has been effectively downing tools on engaging with the Ashburton army, but they've also now had their tickets reduced significantly because of the new ballot structure, which is why when you were talking about the atmosphere in the game and, you know, the crowd getting behind Aaron Ramsdale when he makes a mistake, for example, a lot of that is to do with the Ashburton army and the, the new breed of fan and chanting and get behind the team nature that we've experienced being in the ground over the past kind of year and a half. And it is, yeah. it'd be interesting to see if that carries across into the new season because of the changes that they made or whether or not it will stay the same. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good point, actually. I mean, we, I'd be intrigued to look at the number of them that are in the ground for the first home game, the league against Forest, because we always, so for anyone, uh, 
who doesn't know, which is probably all of you, we uh, we sit always uh, in the clock end on the lower tier, most commonly in the row right next to the away fans. But we're very close proximity to the Ashburton Army, who are usually just slightly to the to the left of the goal on the clock end side. Um, so we're very close to them, and you know they're they're going all game long. Some of them aren't don't watch the game the whole game because they're just facing the <laughs> to the rest of them trying to get them g'd up. Which for me, I'd be like, "Come on, mate, turn around, and watch the game. You can, you can, you can sing and watch the game." But, um, but you know, they, they, I think they have massively contributed to the atmosphere. Um, you know, I think every team needs a group that is going to bring an atmosphere like that because it, it helps drive up the intensity. I don't, I don't think I've not seen anything where they've done which is, you know. Uh, like any ultras group you'd get in 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 Europe, like in in a, a Marseille or a, an Inter kind of style ultras group that do things beyond what fan groups should do, shall we say? I don't think they've done anything like that. Or I've not seen anything to that extent. I think they're just just a group of people from what I've seen who who are, who are trying to create a good atmosphere and really get behind the team. And I think we've benefited from that. So yeah, um, hopefully. Hopefully they, you know, they're still getting the access that they need to games. Yeah, and I think they've had atmosphere, the, atmosphere going. Yeah, I mean, they had. There was a couple of points they made that some of the um, tifos and flags that they'd wanted to do for the games, which is all funded by either themselves directly or through donations through fans, they've had mm. rejections twice. Um, which I think is just really disappointing. I think that they. There's just an image thing. It's like, you know, the, the banners like the balaclavas and the flares and all this kind of other stuff. Yeah. And it, it's all just, um, it's mainly bravado. Like you say, nothing untoward, nothing they've done that's bad. It's all part of just, you know, emulating some of that European ultras culture without necessarily the the violence that tags along with it. And I think there's just connotations that get associated yeah. with that that the club probably don't necessarily want, I guess. Yeah, I mean, there's connotations associated with like a balaclava for example yeah um and and so i mean i don't you know i i get it but you know at the end of the day people should be free to wear what they want as long as they're behaving and they're not intimidating people um yeah i guess i get it though people say they can feel intimidated by it but yeah, yeah it's, uh, I mean, again, they're not causing, as far as I'm concerned, I, I have not heard any reports of them causing trouble. So, no, as far as I'm concerned, I think, well, I think one doing, of them pushed in front of me at the queue buying a drink was probably the worst I'd had. Uh, so, I think I can let that one slide. I'll just owe you a pint, that's all. Then. That's right. Yeah. Um, you mentioned intimidating, Jace. Um, talk to me. There's a player on the Man United side in that Real Madrid game. Intimidation. Tell me. Well, who do you think it is? Don't need to tell you, do I? You do not. So, uh, you know, I had a bit of a moan about Martinez last game um, because of the foul on Saka. And partly also Ten Hag um, because he was like, we don't play friendlies. And I think he psyched his team up. I just think Martinez is now building a reputation for himself and that's fine by me. Um, you know, I don't have a problem with it. But he needs to check his act out. He's going to get a lot of cards next year. I mean, what's he doing? Like anyone sit. So what I'm talking about, just for reference, is the is the challenge on Bellingham. I saw against Real Madrid. Studs first, 
straight into the kind of upper top part or just above his foot um, on the shin. Awful challenge. Absolutely awful challenge. What's this guy doing? Like, this is preseason. Um, I say that Arsenal Barca was quite rough in, in the last game, but yeah, this guy is, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I, I guess where Martinez is falling into that bracket in, in my eyes is you always have in the 90s and the noughties, you always had one player from your rival teams you always hated. We had Van Nistelrooy was one of them. Um, yeah. There's a few, from, there's been a few from Spurs down the years, uh, back in the 90s. A few of the other podcasts always talk about, but I can't be on. I'll be honest, I was probably too young to remember. Um, trying to think. No. Nah. Anyway, Van Nistelrooy, for example, was always one. Jenna, Jenna never... is mine. I don't know why it is that Jermaine Jenna is just really great to me, but that might be more of a recency thing. <laughs> Maybe. But yeah, I just think Martinez is turning into one of those players for us, like and and for rival fans of United because. He's probably, he's got it, you know, there's a bit of Roy Keane about him, right? That's what it reminds me of, Roy Keane. That, that type of player just can't exist in today's game, though, right? In the same way that it used to back in those days, that you just not be able to get away with the kind of things that they used to do. We'll find out this season, won't we? I yeah, think, I mean, uh, I, I, yeah. If he's going to keep playing like that, we'll find out. Are refs going to let it go or not? I was rewatching on YouTube the, the the Battle of Old Trafford and like that kind of that kind of stuff, right? It's just not going to translate yeah. into a modern day football game, and that's what the the mold that I feel Martinez is kind of fitting into. Yeah, I think so. So yeah, we'll see. Interesting. Let's see what happens this season with that. No, uh, there's only one other thing I was going to call out. I know that you've probably not watched it all yet, but I'd recommend watching it. And to anybody that's listening or watching, uh, there is a, a video distributed by uh, Villa that has Yuri Telemans uh, wearing like a body cam uh, in one of their preseason games. And it, it, it gives you um, a, a different perspective on the game of football. I think any of us that play casually, you, you get like a lot of time on the ball. You're able to look up and pick a pass and kind of walk around or run around in your case, Jace. Um, and it was just amazing to watch this video and see how frantic and how much time you don't have and how much thinking time that you don't have in a real game of football. And this is just friendly. Um, yeah, pretty, pretty electric watch. Recommend watching it. Yeah, I, I, said I haven't watched it all, but I've had, I saw you mention it. So I had a look just before the podcast started. And, and the one thing that I saw from it was just the pace, just how fast you're moving, but consistently. It's like that is I mean that's yeah, I mean that's a hard that's a hard graft. I do a number of different sports in addition to football, which require a lot of short, sharp bursts. And by the end of those workouts, I am like I'm a fit person, but I am still like lost my breath. And to see like that that's how I am. I want to be sick sometimes after workouts. So uh to see that kind of thing almost replicated i guess you're not lifting weights when you're doing that you're just running around a pitch but that that requires a ridiculous uh amount of uh cardio endurance and i think that just shows how fit these players really are um and and what levels they have to to train to eat and the way they have to live their lives to be able to perform like that because yeah i mean 
I try sometimes and get close to that, but I can't maintain the the eating that allows you to get close to that. You can kind of maintain the fitness levels, but not the eating. Um, Especially on game days. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. Um, <laughs> so yeah, very impressive, very impressive. Definitely worth a watch. Yeah. For, any, uh, for any listeners, uh, I encourage you to come and watch this podcast on YouTube. So you can go and see how stacked Jason truly is um, and get to witness all of that <laughs> in its glory in a, in a future uh, podcast. Um, I'm not that stacked, Jesus. It's just a very, I bought a small shirt. It's, very, it's, it's very a tight, tight bit. It's a very tight bit. <laughs> you will not catch me anywhere near as small. <laughs> Uh, right. Well, thank you very much for joining us on this lovely Friday evening. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Please do give us a like and a subscribe on YouTube if you are watching it there. If you're listening to us on any of your podcast platforms, feel free to give us a five star, no less uh, review as well. And we will see you or maybe I will see you on uh, Wednesday for the uh, Monaco friendly game at the Emirates because uh, Jason is traveling. Uh, and then you'll be back when we go for the city game, right, Jace? Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm away abroad for work next week, um, but I'm back in the UK by Friday, so I will be with you and everyone else at the Community Shield. Um, but yeah, missing the Monaco game. Probably won't get to watch it because it'll be work socialising that I'll have to yeah. do uh, after after work. So. Um, I probably won't get to watch it and it's going to be quite difficult to record a podcast uh after it immediately um so yeah sorry greg i might have to unless you want to wait to the friday night when i'm back you might have to go, oh, we'll, go without we'll me. see yeah we'll see but um yeah feel free to join us on our next episode and if you have enjoyed it please do give us a like like i said otherwise we'll see you again very very soon thank you very much cool. cheers guys thank you <laughs>